today, my fine fellow? Today? Duh, it's Christmas Day. Christmas Day? <laughs> then I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Merry Christmas, you old fountain. Merry Christmas, shiny X1. Merry Christmas, Dr. Orpheus. Merry Christmas, Mr. Venture. Merry Christmas, helper. <laughs> Why didn't he wish me a Merry Christmas? Nobody wants a Dean in the box! <laughs> Children can hear my stoop, and I don't want any ground floors or any plastics! Rude, you weird little man! Probably in the box. Behold, Jesus Christ. Nine, seven, six, thirty-seven and a half foot pole. Or a cowboy that rides an ostrich. Oh, thank God. I thought I turned into a complete for <laughs> the <laughs> It's Christmas time There's no need to be afraid At Christmas time We let in light And we banish shade And in our world A plenty we can spread a smile of joy Throw your arms around, around the world At Christmas, Christmas time. time I'm about to say a prayer Ho 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 everybody and welcome to Anime Baby, Where the holidays are anything but humbug This is your holly jolly host Mikey flying solo on this Christmas Eve ride uh, I don't have my top elf to my Santa Ryan here with me for this one, as this is a solo review I'm doing as part of Anime Secret Santa. Yes, Anime Secret Santa, which is a yearly project put together by the good folks at All Geeks Consider Blog, where podcasters and reviewers come together and give their thoughts on anime gifted to them by their secret Santas. I've been aware of this project for a while now, and I wanted to take part, part in it one year. Since I have a podcast now, I thought, yeah, why not? This year is the year, finally. And what did My Secret Santa leave under the tree for me this year? Well, they left me three animes, and I had to pick which one I wanted to look at. One was Masaki Yuasa's Ping Pong, which I was considering at first, but then ultimately I decided against it. Mainly because I want to do that as a regular episode of Anime Baby in the future, so that's a tentative stay tuned. Another was Samurai Flamenco, which I did see the first episode of it years ago, and was just largely unimpressed with it. It just... I, I didn't really want to watch any more of it so so yeah yeah sorry about that <laughs> so that left me with the third and final anime that was the one i chose and that anime was march comes in like a lion season one. Oh yeah i've been curious about this series for a while now especially considering all the good things i heard about it like when it was airing like both 
both the first and second season, I just see people I follow on Twitter just posting screenshots, just raving, going, oh my god, this is just so good, it's one of the greatest animes of all time, it's so great, ah! So, a little bit of background on March Comes In Like a Lion, as it's based on a manga of the same name, written and illustrated by Chika Umino, who's best known for the series Honey and Clover, which I haven't, haven't read, but I also hear is pretty good. And she's also known for doing the character designs for Eden of the East, which, by looking at the characters in March Comes In Like a Lion, you can definitely tell that she did both of those, like, especially in the faces, like the eyes and the mouths and everything. So, the original manga began in July of 2007 and is still going to this day, 13 years later. Though, unfortunately, for some reason, the manga hasn't been licensed here in the States. Like, how? Like, most anime that gets streamed here in the States all, almost always has, like, a manga adaptation, and, like, almost always, that manga adaptation is available. Like, I can go to Barnes & Noble or, like, any other bookstore and see it on the shelves. But for some reason, this series, the series were, that's been going on since 2007, and an anime that's been going on for, that started a few years ago, for some reason, its manga adaptation hasn't been licensed. Like, what the hell? What's... What's going on here? Someone out there, please license this. So the series would get its anime adaptation where its first season would air from October 2016 to March 2017, with the second season following the year after. And this anime would be produced by none other than Shaft. Yeah, I'm talking about Shaft, can you dig it? Uh, Studio Shaft, known for such anime as Monica Magica and all the gajillion fucking amounts of Monogatari anime, which I've heard are good, but I don't believe it and don't give a shit about. I'm sorry, but just, I don't fucking care about anything with Monogatari at the end of the title. Unless it's Ori Monogatari, you know, my love story. That that I care about, but that's far and away different from what Studio Shaft produces. Though, let's be real, the one thing that Studio Shaft is really, really known for, other than your Monogatari's or your Monica Magica's, is of course Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, brother. Yeah. Yeah, they did that. Google it. Anyway, I mentioned Madoka, and March Comes In Like a Lion has a bit of connection to that, as both are directed by Akiyuki Shinbo, so yes, yeah, uh... Very good pedigree for the series right here. As for the English side of things, the anime was licensed in here in the States by my old friend Anaplex of America. Uh, if you listen to some uh, previous episodes that we've done where we covered Anaplex licensed anime such as The Promised Neverland and such, then you know how I feel about them. Which means, it's time to play my favorite game, What's the Price? Yes, America's favorite game show where we find out how much it'll cost to own an Anaplex anime on home video. So uh, let's head to Rice Stuff and find out, and I'm doing this live right now. I haven't looked at the price yet, so this will be, like, you're finding this out the same time I am. So Googling Right Stuff, all right, on rightstuff.com, go into the search bar, searching March comes in like a lion. Search. All right, I see four results. Four volumes, all on Blu-ray. They say they're Right Stuff exclusive, so you can't get them anywhere else. What's the price? Oh! A pr the price... Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. The price for one volume of March Comes In Like a Lion totals at $129.98. And there's four of them, so... Hold on. Doing the math here... Four Blu-rays times 129.98. It comes, <laughs> it comes out to, so to own all four volumes of March Comes In Like a Lion, so that I'm assuming both seasons, you would have to spend $519.92. And that's not including tax. Oh boy.
Anaplex gonna fucking Anaplex. I I don't get how they justify this. I still want to ask this. Like, someone at Anaplex, please contact me. Hit me up. How do you justify these prices? Because, my God. Anyway, Anaplex aside, the dub was produced by Bang Zoom Entertainment with Wendy Lee directing and Marlon Moore doing adaptive scripts. With all that out of the way, I'm talking all about March Comes In Like a Lion Season 1. So without further ado, let's start the show. So first things first, the opening and the ending, both done by the band Bump of Chicken, with the opening answer and the ending fighter. Uh, pretty good. Both songs, uh, like uh, the opening upbeat song combined with like dark visuals works really, really well. Sort of like saying, despite all the darkness, there's always something to light the way. It's it's very nice. And also Bump of Chicken, I really like their really like their songs. Like, you know, they have a really good sound to them. You know, they also did the opening to Blood Blockade Battlefront, and they most recently did that to one uh, Pokemon music video for one of their live streams. They're both really good, so yeah, thumbs up. So kickoff, we immediately get some key info on our lead character, Rei Kiriyama, played here by Koei Dao, as he has no friends, no family, nothing. And also one thing I want to mention, just his character design, I, I swear to God, if I let my hair grow out like that, I would look exactly like him. Like, he's got the black glasses and everything, just honestly, it's, it's kind of like looking like in the mirror. And considering where we are right now in the world, and the fact that I don't really feel all that safe going to a barbershop, yeah, I might, might, might see that soon enough here. A uh, major aspect of Ray's character is introduced as he is a pro shogi player. It's through some uh, brief flashbacks, we see that he's a prodigy ever since he was a young child. And for those of you who don't know, shogi is basically the Japanese variation of chess, and it is the most popular version of the chess in the country. And uh, about nine minutes into this first episode, we get a pretty basic idea of Ray's character, and all without him ever saying a single line of dialogue. Ray used to like letting the visuals speak for themselves, and it's at this point where I feel like, okay, I'm really gonna like this show, you know, just kind of doing this whole thing right here. And the fact that he just, we see him, like, wake up in the morning, just very subdued, we see him go to the shogi hall, sit down, and just play a match of shogi, no line of dialogue, only person really talking is the person he's playing against, and that's pretty much it. It fully establishes his character and everything like that right here. 
And also, uh, I mentioned before the character design and the art style and everything. I really do like this art style. Like, I do like how unique the characters look. It's just very cutesy. And also, I love the scenery and everything. Like, my god, the scenery in the show looks so good. So, later on, we are introduced to some more characters. Uh, three sisters, in fact. Kawamoto sisters. Uh, Akari played here by Laura Post. Hinata played here by Gremlin Girl and Donut Queen Kaylee Mills. And Momo played here by Xanthi Wynn. And as soon as I saw them, I'm just like, oh no. I love them. <laughs> and also we meet their always hungry kitties, which are the freaking cutest. Like, I kind of like their gimmick where it's just like, anytime they have food or anything like that, uh, the cats are just always running around and they, like, we hear what they're thinking through like these little inner monologues of the cats going like, come on, come on, feed us, we're hungry and everything. <laughs> and just like, Akari's always just like, no, don't feed them. They say, they, they may think they're hungry, but they're really not. We just fed them before. <laughs> And also out of the characters here, uh, the sisters, uh, I have to say Hina, probably my favorite. Like her, of the earlier scenes with her is like she's rushing to get ready in the morning and like getting ready for school and it just perfectly gets over her character. Like she's very excitable, but also has a very big heart as like while she's getting ready, she's also kind of like taking care of Ray because he spent the night there the previous nights and like how she's just like making sure that he has uh, lunch for school and everything while also like making sure she's getting ready. It's, it's super good. So while we met the sisters, let's meet some more characters as, uh, since, uh, Reis tends to spend most of his time at this shogi hall, we also meet some, uh, fellow shogi players, or rather, shogi boys, because a lot of the characters in the show are friggin' straight out of boy town in here. Like, we have, uh, Isa Matsumoto, played here by Doug Erholtz. We also have his buddy Smith, who is, uh, played by Robbie Damon, and once again, Robbie Damon playing a pretty boy here. Like, it's one of those things that's almost as certain as, uh, like, say, Keith Silverstein playing a baddie or uh, Bryn April playing any character I'll end up loving. Whoop, whoop. But uh, we do see them kind of, like, trying to be all palling around, chummy with Ray, and at one point they uh, go to a hostess club, which just so happens to be the same club that uh, Akari works at. And, uh, like, I see this hostess club here, and I'm just like, I feel hostess clubs are forever ruined or rather improved, my view of them, mostly because of Yakuza. Like, I just can't look at them and not think of Yakuza. Like, I just, I just watched this scene where they're all, like, hanging out at the hostess club with Akari in her booth, and it's just, like, I just want to see, like, you know, Majima just come out or something like that, or, like, have a big fight while his, ba while his band plays some background music. It's great. And it's during this time we also see, like, how Rei met Akari and the sisters for the first time as, like, uh, one night years ago, Rei and some friends, well, quote-unquote friends, like, considering what they do, they can't be considered friends. Uh, they got Ray drunk and just abandoned him in front of the club that Akari works at. And then she took him home there, and then that's where uh, Ray also made Hina and Momo, and then they just became close and tight-knit from ever since like that. It's like, God, Akari's very nice. She's just so sweet and motherly and everything. Like, yeah, it's just, it's so, so good here. Though uh, I mentioned earlier some of the, the boys in, uh, in uh, Shogi Land over here, in the Shogi Hall. But uh, no bigger boy in this series can compare to Harunobu Nikaido, played here by Zach Aguilar of uh, Tanjiro of, from Demon Slayer fame. And as soon as I saw this kid, my boy Dar just went off, just like, oh my god, look at this boy, whose boy is he? Someone, so, somebody adopt this boy into their boy's stable. Just, ah oh my god. And we do get a moment where like, he gets a bit of a spotlight here, and he's just earning, earning that boy status for me. And also, I want to mention, like, uh, despite not knowing the rules of Shogi at this point in the series, uh, the direction, the music, and acting really get over the intensity of, like, matches and stuff like that. So it's very good stuff, and that's one thing I'll be bringing up throughout this uh, review here. 
So we get to see a match with Harunobu, and, like, right before this match, he, like, has, like, a bit of an art style shift to show that he's ready to face off against Ray. It's, uh, you know, have, like, the harsh lines, the intense look in his face. It kind of reminds me a bit of, uh, most recently I've been watching uh, Healing Good, Pretty Cure, and uh, they had, like, this beach volleyball episode where, like, uh, some of the characters were really into this volleyball anime. And it has almost the same exact look, almost kind of like uh, Ashida no Joe parody style here. It's super good. So eventually for this match with against Rei, Harunobu unfortunately suffers a loss and like you can really feel his heartbreak from losing against Rei because we also see some flashbacks where how uh, they've known each other since they were like uh, young shogi prodigies and how like it, there was this one match where uh, on top of a department store in the middle of summer, Harunobu was like going like uh, blow for blow against Rei in a shogi match but just like the heat was just really really getting to him and also the fact that he was just losing it just like really blew his focus and then unfortunately he lost the match against Ray but in that match and in this match in present day you can just feel his determination to one day beat him and I'm just like god get out of my dreams and into my boy stable. Afterwards Ray has a bit of a victory dinner with the sisters and it's here where we find out a little bit about their background as uh, you know they had a mother and a grandmother but uh, they've uh, both passed on and since then they kind of have like a little uh, tradition where they like light a fire to you know, welcome them back home from the afterlife and then uh, put it out to uh, send them back on to the afterlife. It's just, it's very solemn, but also like very sweet and touching. Like it just really, really gets over this and also kind of shows that uh, maybe Ray and the sisters are kind of in a similar place because we'll soon find out that uh, Ray, he lost his family too. So they're kind of, they're kind of similar in that way. And also like after the scene where they uh, send them back to the afterlife, you know, there's like a really good scene with like Hina and Ray where like, you can sense that some, that Hina is just kind of, has a lot on her mind here, you know, just like, you know, just really thinking about her uh, mother and grandmother here. Like, she steps out saying, like, oh, I'm going to go to the bookshop to get some manga. And then Ray follows her, and then, like, we just have this scene where she just kind of lets it all out and just breaks down and cries. It's so, so powerful. And whopper acting from Kaylee Mills here. Like, my gosh, she's so good. Like, I was already impressed with her, like, when we did ReZero a year ago, but, like, She's really, really good here. And, uh, yeah, also I see in the scene right here. Hina. There she is. was paralyzing. I couldn't even call out to her. All that time she held it in, hiding her pain from the others. deep effect on me. The pain I had shut away began seeping back into my heart. Don't worry, okay?
can stay here a little longer. I understand. I lost my real family too. A long time ago. I gave up on crying. It was pointless. Thinking about them made me sad, so I tried not to. I had to chase them out of my head. Again. And again. But... Was that really the right thing to do? She can still cry. But I cannot. Yet here we are. The two of us. Alone. Under a beautiful July night sky. And yeah, like I mentioned before, Rain and Heena are kind of in the same position, you know, losing loved ones and family members. And uh, the scene also gets some, like, insight, you know, on, like, uh, you know, bottling up your emotions, you know, like, what you can really do. Like, how some people can, like, try to put on a strong face, but for the most part, you can still, like, just let it out and cry. And the one thing with Ray here is that he just really can't seem to bring himself to it. It's just, like, it just kind of seems like a foreign concept to him that he can't really bring himself to just let, him cry, let himself cry. So he just kind of, like tends to bottle up his emotions a bit, and as we will soon see in the series, he kind of, like, lets it out here and there. Anyway, after, like, uh, we get some really serious, solemn stuff, uh, we kind of move on to some really cute things here, like, uh, the following episode after this, we have, like, Hina revealing that she has a bit of a grushy-wushy on an ace baseball boy named Takahashi and plans to make lunch for him after his big game. And also we see this kid that she likes, and, and he's a middle, middle schooler like her, and dude is huge, he's got some brief! But yeah, this is like a really nice, uh, cute bit here and a nice breather for Hina after the emotional high from the previous episode and also pretty much solidifying Hina as my favorite because I love the conversation where she's talking to Akari about like what kind of lunch she, should she make for this boy and then like they're all going back and forth saying like I think we should make this and Akari's like no, you should probably make something simple and Hina's like no, 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 it's got to be big, it's got to be huge. You know, this is the boy I like, I gotta like really show show my feelings and have it come out through this lunch. Though, while it is a bit of a breather, uh, things do get a little emotional because, unfortunately, Hina couldn't give him the lunch. Like, uh, he tends to le he left the game before she had a chance to, and also he was, like, being mobbed by some other girls who had a big thing for him. So, like, she was actually gonna, like, just throw it away and just give up there, but, uh, good boy Ray offers to eat the lunch with her, and Akari commends her for at least trying her best. It's, it's, it's really sweet. Though, it, it, there's a bit, there's a good joke at the end of this where, like, it was probably for the best that she didn't give Takahashi the lunch since it kind of... The taste left a lot to be desired, as they, as they found out, but hey, keep trying, Hina. But after that, we kind of move back more to uh, more scenes with my boy, Harunobu, as he hang as he like often just hangs out with Ray to do some shogi practice. Like, he'll just come into his apartment, set down a shogi board, and say, like, okay, Kiriyama, let's practice right here now. We gotta be ready, because you're my rival, and I gotta make sure you're at the top of your game, just like I am at the top of my game. And then Ray's just like, dude, just get the hell out of my house, why are you here? But it's good. I, I kind of like this whole gimmick where, like, someone claims to be your rival, but, you know, they're, they're pretty much, like, just your glorified buddy, you know? They're like, these guys, these two are besties, even though Ray may think otherwise, or, like, Harm knows, just like, no, you're my rival, no friends here. And also, there's like, really no another really good scene with Harnobu where, like, uh, he and Ray are just out taking a walk, and they just so happen to come across uh, Momo and Akari, and they take an immediate liking to him. Because, like, Momo looks at him and thinks, like, ah... Botaro! He's Botaro! Which is just the this world's version of my neighbor Totoro, and she just immediately falls for him. And also Akari is just so entranced by his round and softness, like, 
These two can't resist the boyness, like how I can't resist the boyness, like yeah, Haronobu is everyone's boy. Moving on from that, we see a bit more of Rei Shogimenter, which is also his dad's closest friend. This is Masachika Koda, who is played by Cam Clark of all people, like, yeah, Cam Clark, who was, we've known for like, who's done like a lot of different voice roles in like American cartoons and everything. It's just so weird to hear him in an anime dub, and a modern anime dub, no less. And also kind of like a funny coincidence timing thing. Uh, most recently, I did my yearly tradition of watching uh, the totally, totally awful uh, grandma got run over by a reindeer. And uh, Cam Clark is in that, so hearing him in that and hearing him in this is just kind of like a really weird timing thing. It's, it's, it's actually really fun. But yes, this whole thing with uh, Coda we, leads to like us learning more about uh, Ray's past as... Uh, we see how, like, uh, when his parents and his little sister died in a car accident, and, like, how the day that he went to the funeral, uh, the rest of the family just couldn't really care less about them, because, like, they weren't gonna help him. They were, like, even thinking, like, oh, we're just gonna put him in an orphanage, a foster home, blah, 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 stuff like that. But then Coda, you know, being his dad's closest friend and someone who kind of, like, took a, sh took a shine to Ray because of his uh, shogi skills, stepped in and, like, pretty much adopted him, adopted him there on the spot. And uh, we get to see a bit of Ray's life growing up at, with Koda's family, and we see how intense they are when it comes to Shogi. More specifically, how intense uh, Koda's daughter is, you know, and how very resentful she is of Ray, and also how Koda is just very strict with her, like, because he sees a lot of potential in her, but he also, like, kind of pushes her a little too hard while also showing Ray a lot more love and affection compared to her. And that eventually all leads to her deciding to quit Shogi when she realized that uh, Rei was just going to be much more better. And it's all really fascinating and also just really... I'm also really impressed about how well this series puts over something like Shogi, something like Japanese chess, which uh, which I don't know the rules of. Like, even watching the series, I still... I kind of get it, but then again, I don't really know regular chess all that too well. But uh, combined with how they portray matches and how, like, they get over Koda's family and how they really take Shogi seriously, like, really, really gets over, like, how... Gets over Shogi in the show. Though we do see how Koda's mentorship has a bit of a negative effect on Rei as uh, he's seeing how success, how his success is affecting uh, his, Koda's biological children, you know. Like we talked about his sister, uh, Koda also had another son, a younger boy, and then how like eventually he just kind of like shut himself off from his family and just kind of like hid in his room and played video games like that. So all because like their father is just taking more of attention to Rei because Rei has like more untapped Shogi potential than, than compared to the two of them. Ray eventually comes to the conclusion that he needs to stop living with Koda so that he doesn't risk destroying the family's relationship here. Like, you know, he's very grateful that Koda took him in when no one else would and trained him and, like, brought him up in the world of Shogi and helped him become pro at such a young age, but just, he just feels like, yeah, I can't really be here. Like, because of your attention towards me, you're really neglecting your actual biological children, you know? And it's like, man, this is, this is heavy. And so getting into more of the whole uh, shogi aspect of the show, I, uh, like uh, one thing I kind of noticed during this is that uh, shogi players are kind of like pro athletes in uh, in like many ways. Uh, one way is that uh, they don't have much time off, but when they do, they kind of use that time to train, you know? They're just like, okay, you have like your regular season and then you just kind of have your, like, your off season and what do you do? You train, you practice and everything like that. And if you do get a day off, it's just like kind of just one day off to kind of like relax and decompress. And I'm thinking, like, man, does uh, does this technically make this a sports anime? You know, an anime about 
shogi kind of a sports anime, you know? And also we see that uh, you can financially support yourself through being a shogi player, a pro shogi player, such like uh, what Ray is doing here. So the way they kind of like uh, portrayed it, it kind of makes you think it's like, uh, oh, it's like uh, combat sports, you know, like uh, where winning a match get, gets you a winner's purse. And it uh, looks like the higher you rank, the higher the payout, which is why everyone's trying to like move up to like the next level, next level until you reach the level of Grandmaster. And uh, speaking of Grandmaster, we actually do learn more about uh, this uh, top-ranked Shogi pro named Grandmaster Toji Soya. And while, like, throughout this series, we don't really see much of him, but they still really get him over as kind of like this, you know, just next-level Shogi player. Like, he's he's kind of like the big boss of the Shogi world, but we only see him in, like, small scenes here and there. We see, like, a scene where, like, Ray meets him as a young kid at, as he's just passing by, and he's just, like blown away just by the aura he gives off but even though soya is more like a, of an unassuming guy he kind of looks a bit like a uh, ray only like you know with white hair but like you know they're both very unassuming guys and you wouldn't think that next big thing in the world of shogi but he actually is and like everyone throughout the series is just really putting him over and like we even see some matches later on where like uh, they compete against him and they're just like they don't know how to handle him like he's just that good and yeah, he and Ray not so different as they come from uh, similar backgrounds and how like they were young shogi prodigies and how they worked their way up to the pros at such a young age. But Ray, he hasn't achieved the rank of Grandmaster. Soya did, which uh, did take another blow to his confidence as he sees himself as nothing special. You know, he looks at Soya, very similar background, but he's a Grandmaster. Then he looks at himself and he just sees like just the guy, you know. Eventually, Ray enters a slump as like a Minnesota Vikings kicker. He can't seem to get a win here. Ray gets his spirits lifted up a little bit as you get another sweet scene with him and Hina. You know, it's a really nice scene between these two, and it's kind of like, you know, I feel like this is Hina's way of, like, returning the favor when he stood by her when she cried the other night. And it's like, man, I, I really like these two. They're very good. They're like a scene here. It kind of leads them, like, just uh, going to, like, a restaurant to get some food. And then, like, there they meet uh, Takahashi, the baseball boy. And, like, Ray kind of kind of plays a bit of wingman for Hina here. We're like... He's just like, oh, you two know each other. Well, uh, why don't you sit right here? I'll take my leave. And so I'm just like, ah, yeah. Way to be a wingman, Ray. Though Hina doesn't really, uh, can't really handle the situation. So she kind of like runs off to the bathroom to like uh, compose herself a bit while Ray and Takahashi kind of chatted out a bit here. And we find out that uh, Ray is actually a bit of an inspiration for Takahashi when it comes to being a pro baseball player. And like these two actually really share a nice scene, you know, like how is uh, Takahashi's father talks about how like, Ray, this young boy, like, a little bit older than him, but still very similar to him, like, became a pro at such a young age, and then he kind of uses that as motivation to kind of, like, okay, if he can be a pro at Shogi, then I can kind of, like, work my way up to be a pro at baseball and everything like that, and it's actually really, really nice. And eventually, it's, like, a scene where, like, he wants to hang out with Ray, and they, they do so at Hina's house, so, like, it leads to Hina just freaking out, and it's it's really it's really cute. Uh, afterwards, uh, we, get, uh, we get more of my boy... King Boy Haranobu, as uh, he and Rei help uh, teach Hina and Momo how to play Shogi. And this is where we actually get to learn the rules of Shogi, and it's just like, yeah, it basically puts it over as just, uh, this is very much like chess, only like with slightly different rules here and there, different like placements for pieces and everything like that. And also I think a little bit of checkers kind of influence here, where you can like jump a piece and then take it out and then like uh, remove a piece and then like kind of make it much more powerful, stuff like that. And one thing that really, uh, I really, really like during these whole scenes of like teaching Shogi is uh, one way that uh, Harunobu can like really teach other people how to play Shogi in like a very simple way that anyone can get is that we have him like, he shows that he's written a children's book all about Shogi and we have like 
these little cats here <laughs> taking the form of like different pieces and everything like that it's it's so freaking cute and like and we see that it actually works like Hina and Momo are actually really getting how to play it and and mostly Momo's just like re- really enthralled by it because it's just it's kitties and everything like that and she has kitties and she like and she likes cats and one thing I really really love during this point is that uh the ending credits get swapped out for these uh cute little cat shogi songs where it's like it I I can't even describe it it's just like these cats singing a song about uh, the pieces and everything, and, like, they show through visuals, like, how each piece works, you know? Basically, like, they're kind of, like, uh, you know, soldiers and everything and like that, and they're fighting to protect the king and everything. It's it's so fucking cute. I'll even splicey some of them right here. Not all is uh, fun in games here at this point, as later on afterwards, Ray has an unexpected reunion with his foster sister, Kyoko, played here by Lauren Landa. And just the, you can just feel the awkwardness in here where like Ray comes home and then he sees her just standing outside of her door and she's all like, hey, Ray, let me in. I need to warm up. And he's all like, no, just, just leave. He's just like, look, I made my way here. You're going to let me in and you're going to spend the night because there's no more trains left. You're not going to leave me out here in the cold, are you, Ray? And he's just like, come on in. It just, ah. Like, I'll, I'll get more into my feelings about Kyoko, but yeah, not a, not a good first impression here. As uh, she's mostly here to taunt Ray about his next match where if he wins, he moves up in the rankings. But his uh, opponent is an elderly man with 40 years of shogi experience. And uh, if he loses to Ray here, presumably he will retire. So Ray has to deal with the choice. Does he win, move up in the rankings, you know, continue his, like, streak of winning? But if he does that, then... He does basically just ends the career of this man right here, you know, it's kind of like the Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair WrestleMania 24 thing here. And so we get to the day of the match against this man, and it turns out the match is hard in a much different way here, as uh, Ray is just like, he's not going his hardest, but he's not letting him win either, so he's just kind of like, he's just kind of playing, but not playing as hard, and then like, it turns out even that is much better than what this old man is, as he's just like, kind of like, freaking out at like every single move, he's just like, wait, did... Did I make that move wrong? Oh, oh crap. I, uh, and then in the end, uh, Ray ends up winning, and uh, this man, uh, Matsunaga, gets all stroppy, so uh, Ray has to treat him to dinner afterwards here, which is kind of funny. There, he gets drunk and starts telling Ray stories, and then it takes and just takes him around town. 
And eventually in the end, things get uh, serious at the end where Matsunaga confesses to feeling that there was just no way he could beat Rei, and he was actually scared of Rei, viewing him as like a grim reaper to end his shogi career. And there was a, where he talked about uh, a scene where like he first entered the shogi hall, he saw, he took a look at Rei, and he was determined, he determined that, you know what, if anyone's gonna be my grim reaper, it ought to be this kid. But uh, midway through the match, he like... He kind of flipped a switch there. He, he didn't want to lose. Like, he was kind of, like, resigned himself to losing. But then he realized, like, no, wait, I actually want to win here. But he did end up losing. But in the end, Matsunaga decides not to retire. And Ray thinks, like, oh, did I motivate this man to, like, kind of rethink his career? But, uh, yeah. But at the same time, he does... He doesn't want to do... He wants to be a big shot in front of his family, you know. And also, like, if he quits Shogi, then he's going to be around the house more. And he doesn't want to do chores at home. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was pretty nice. Though, uh, we get more of Kyoko trying to rattle Rei as, like, uh, moving on to his next opponent, Yasui. She implies that, uh, since, uh, this match is scheduled for Christmas Eve, like, if he loses right here, he's just gonna go on a big drunken rampage in this house, and it's just like, my god, <laughs> Kyoko fucking heel right here. It's like, oh, hey, Rei, oh, yeah, your next opponent, Yasui, yeah, here he's a bit of a drinker, you know, has a bit of a snifter of wine around the holidays. And I hear uh, when he gets mad, he gets pretty violent. I mean, if you lose, that could set him off. Uh -huh -huh. By the way, Ray, good luck. <laughs> Fucking heal! Though, unlike that match with uh, Matsunaga, this match is presented entirely with no dialogue and just a piano piece and the sounds of the shogi pieces clacking on the board. Very well done. Like, this isn't the only time they do this. They do this later, and it's, like, really, really good. I'm just like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really into this, you know? And two matches in a row where Ray ends up sympathizing with his opponents to the point where he's, like, internally trying to tell them not to give up and just keep playing but they all end up reaching the point where it's like they can't win they have no more moves left and eventually Ray does win and then Yasui leaves but then Ray notices that he left a package behind you know a present for like possibly his kid Ray goes to follow after him and then like Yasui just gets all mad just like eh, fucking thanks and just leaves and leaves and just gets all pissy about it and this leads to Ray just letting out his frustrations you know we have like we talk about you know ray bottling up his emotions here like here he just lets it out and it's really really a good scene here i'll splicey Don't show! For 
me everything is on the line! I don't even have anything else left, damn it! Shogi's all I've got! You gotta stop using alcoholism in this game! I have no patience for weak players! If you run away, if you can run away, well then why? I had once said that I have no reason to fight. The truth is, I know that a beast lives deep inside of me. A furious, rampaging beast. It would devour everything in sight just to survive. When the pieces are lined up across the board, its hand reaches out towards the path of survival. Even if it means misery for someone else, my future awaits no matter what. So moving on after Christmas, Ray is spending New Year's Eve sick in bed. And there was a point where he's just like laying there, just like, uh, things aren't going right. He's just like, just not feeling it. And he like, he hears a knock at the door. And when I was watching this, I'm just like, oh God, is Kyoka going to come back and just start more shit? But uh, no, thankfully it's someone better. It's the Kawamoto sisters who show up to Ray's place to help him out. And God, I love them. They're so good. You know, they just come in, they're all wearing face masks because they might think Ray has the flu and they don't want him to be contagious or anything like that. And they're like, okay, Ray, get up, get your clothes. We're going to the doctor. And then we're going to take you home. Or if you have the flu, then we're going to come back here and we're all going to quarantine together. You know, we're in this together. We're here to help you. It's like, yeah, they're so good. And Ray didn't think anyone was worried about him. But then Akari takes out his phone, charges it, and shows that not only were they worried about him, but also uh, Koda was worried about him. As he, we see that uh, after his phone powers back on, it's just full of, like, missed calls of, like, Koda, 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 Kawamoto, Kawamoto, Koda, 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 Kawamoto. And it's like, ah, it's, that's so cute. People do care about you, Ray. And also, uh, the big thing here is, like, not only did they want to help out Rey, uh, Akari wanted him to be there with her and her family so they can all ring in the New Year together. Since, uh, this episode right here is an anime episode set around New Year's, we get to see the usual Japanese New Year's traditions, you know, such as mochi, New Year's money, New Year's cards. And, uh, the bit with the cards I really liked, you know, where, like, uh, Hina gets the mail, she gets, like, a big stack of cards, and she, like, lays them out, and, go, and she goes, okay, one for me, one for Akari, one for Momo, me, Akari, Momo, me, me, and it's... And, like, getting all these cards from their family members. And then she's all like, oh, Ray, you might have some cards at home. Here, I'll go get them. Just immediately rushes out and everything. And Ray's just like, oh, wait, wait, you don't have to do that. And then she comes back, uh, f like, a few minutes later, just all kind of dejected. And she's all like, oh, you, you did have cards, but only two. And then Ray's like, oh, two? Oh, man, that's better than last year. I just like, oh, that's, that's really good. That's really good. And uh, I remember we talked about, uh, you know, Japanese New Year traditions during our Miss Kobayashi episode, which, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. It's pretty good. And I, uh, like, I'll, I said it there, and I'll say it here, like, I really do like how chill and rea relaxing kind of, like, the Japanese New Year's traditions are, like... And this, seeing this episode here really reaffirms that feeling, you know? Like, here in the States, like, you know, New Year's is, like, just basically hang out with your friends, get drunk, though, can't do that this year, but, you, but still. But, no, I just kind of like the idea of just, like, you know what? 
went through an entire year, 365 days. Let's just sit at home, watch some TV, eat some snacks, have a little drink here and there, and just relax, just decompress. And I think that's that's very nice, and I think I'll be doing that this year too. So at this point, uh, we've done the first half of the series, so we're going to take a quick... And when we come back, we'll talk about the second half of March Comes In Like a Lion, Season 1. So don't go nowhere. Ray Kiriyama. That's my name. Class C1, fifth done, 17 years old. Profession? Pro shogi player. Punching him with my bare hands. Hey! It's Ray! He's here! Welcome back, Ray! Dinner is ready and waiting! Hurry up! We're starving! Even though he turned pro when he was in middle school and could be called a genius, he's just a 17-year-old with issues like anyone else. Come over anytime! We'll be waiting! Good night! See you later! In a small town by a big river, this is where my new life begins.
And we're back with the second half of March Comes In Like a Lion Season 1. And uh, we have a new opening and ending. The second opening theme song is Goodbye Bystander by Yuki, and the second ending is Orion by Kenshi Yonezu. OP started off as, I feel, kind of started off as like a typical anime opening, but uh, once it hit the chorus, it really, really won me over, you know? That's when the song, like, really, really hits it. And I love the visuals, too, and the song itself is still pretty catchy, you know? But uh, visually, uh, there's, like, one really good shot that made me, like, re that basically made me go, okay, this is good. We're like, we see Ray, and then like uh, we see silhouettes of uh, you know his parents and his little sister holding out their hands, and then like uh, the light shines bright, and we see that it's actually uh, the Kawamoto sisters, and it's Momo holding out her hand, and it's like ah, it's so good. I like that. The the first OP is better in my opinion, but you know that's because nothing really beats Bump Up Chicken. They they do really really good stuff. As for the ending, it's a close one, but I think the second one is just a little bit better than the first. You know. I think the thing that really puts it over is uh, the art style. That's what puts it over the edge, because I feel like both songs are very very neck and neck, but the art really, really solidifies the second one. That's pretty good. So after the new year, Ray is gearing up for a major shogi tournament, which is basically the shogi equivalent of the US Open for tennis. And also one thing with this tournament, it confirms that the shogi hall is just boy town. Like, my god, all these players are massive boys. Like, Ray's first opponent is a guy who just keeps making puns and jokes every time he moves a piece. Like, that was, that was really good. And, like, combine that with, like, all the characters we've met before, like, Harunobu and Smith and, like, that. It's just, like, that. Like, is, is it a rule that if you play Shogi, you just have to be, like, a massive boy? Like, yeah, like, you just basically look just like, okay, you play Shogi, like, take a step right into the boy stable there, son. Though, in all of these uh, very fun characters here, we meet uh, one player, one real big dick Shogi player here. One Masamune Goto, played here by Ray Chase. He was once Koda's pupil, and it's implied that he's uh, cheating on his wife, who's in a hospital in a coma, and he's doing so with Kyoko. Instant heal heat right here, just... My... Oh, oh I really want to see this guy get what's, gets what's coming to him. And Ray is, like, really, really determined to beat this dude's ass, like, in a scene where, like, he confronts him, and then, like, Kyoko's there, too, and I'm just, like, seeing this, like, seeing this hot shot player and then seeing Ray just being like okay I really want to beat you you know but I gotta go through these other guys too and I'm just like oh wow this really is a sports anime <laughs> it's following all the sports anime tropes here but yeah before Ray can get to Goto Smith gets the first crack at the big bastard and uh, this match serves to put over Goto as a force to be reckoned with as uh, he beats Smith no problem and he even gives out to him afterwards for not being decisive so not only did Smith lose but he also got a lecture from the guy who beat him it's like it's kind of like say like uh, Roman Reigns right now on Smackdown where like he's he will destroy you and then he'll just get up in your face you know just saying like I'm head of the table tribal chief and just and just basically beat up someone like Jey Uso or Kevin Owens and yeah it is like watching a top heel in wrestling just dominate and it only makes you want to see him lose even more you know shogi working on wrestling logic here and i never thought i would be re ever be really into watching these shogi matches of all things but there's there's moments like i mentioned it before and it's here and this is the second time where it happens where we just have simple bird's eye view of the shot of the game board no dialogue and here not even music and just the sound of the shogi piece is just clacking 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 and it's actually pretty engaging i'm just like uh uh i, I don't really know the pieces or the moves but oh uh, 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 ah! <laughs> And also, not only does this work on wrestling logic, but it also works on shonen logic in that typically before the main character gets the, the big main event fight, they have to go through some uh, mid-tier fights, you know, this is kind of like, say, Luffy fighting Bluno before Rob Lucci or Deku fighting Shinzo before Todoroki. Though, unlike Luffy and Deku, Ray ends up lo losing his match against Kai Shimada, played here by Kirk Thornton, who is the mentor of Harunobu. 
as uh, Ray made the big mistake of overlooking his opponent and looking ahead to playing against Goto, which means the eventual Ray-Goto match is put on hold for now. But yeah, Ray kind of got sucked into a bit of a trap game here, you know. It's basically kind of like what the Pittsburgh Steelers are doing right now. We're like, ah, oh, they're probably, we're, we're the greatest. We'll just look ahead to the playoffs. Oh shit, we lost three games in a row now. And Ray ends up taking this loss pretty hard. And just, he realizes his big mistake that he got sucked into the, pretty much a trap game here. But all hope isn't lost as Ray gets recommended to join Shimada's Shogi Workshop. And Shimada and Harunobu want him to join, but they're kind of like waiting for Ray to like, come to that decision himself. They don't want to make that decision for him. Speaking of Shimada again, uh, he's in the middle of his match with Goto. So yeah, he, after he beat Ray, he moved on to Goto, which uh, Ray skipped school to go watch this match. And the show makes sure to put this over, puts this over as like a big heavyweight match where like everyone's watching like the live stream and everything. We have the commentators going like, oh, this is a big match. Any move could be like the move to end it. This is like watching a big watching two heavyweight boxers go blow for blow, like multiple rounds, you know, one one punch can just do it. So unfortunately, after several hours, this goes late into the night, like damn, Shimada conceded defeat in their first match. After that, they move on to the second match, which is another several hour marathon slugfest, but this time Shimada takes the second round. And this is now turning into the uh, Randy Orton edge feud of Shogi. You know, we have these really, really long matches, but, uh, you know, they're big, big enough as, like, the greatest matches of all time. So two matches down and one to go, which means... Ladies and gents, this is the moment you waited for. <laughs> Actually, never mind. Uh, we come to join the match after it ended, and Shimada got the win! Yeah, yeah, beating the big bad here. Though he's too exhausted to bask in the glory of victory, which is great, because you'd think he'd be over the moon, but... When asked about his win, he's just brutally honest and saying, I'm so, so tired. I'm exhausted. Someone please get me some tea here. I'm, I can't move. <laughs> and Ray is moved by how Shimada carried himself throughout the entire tournament, and that in the end, he asked him to finally join his workshop. Which means, ah, uh, we get more scenes of my boy, Aranobu. I'm like, ah, yeah, more of my king, king shogi boy here. And we also meet another resident of Boytown, as we meet uh, Morio Shigeta, played here by Kellen Goff. And he's the complete opposite of Harunobu personality-wise. He's just much more subdued and intense. But uh, once they really both get into, like, uh, Shogi together, they're just, like, really, really... They get both really fired up, which is fun. We've had, we've had enough fun. Let's turn our attention back to Kyoko, as she's been seen periodically around town with Goto. She still won't leave his side, despite the fact that he clearly couldn't give two shits about her. And, in fact, he calls her his stalker, but... There's still that thing where, he, like, he keeps her around, but he doesn't want her. It's it's kind of it's kind of kind of icky, even especially the fact that uh, he's 20 years her senior. Koda finds out about this and tries to put a stop to her, which leads to her confronting Ray because she believes he told on her to her dad. And it gets to like a really really like uh, serious scene where like they're just arguing and Ray is just blowing up at her. But uh, at the point, uh, the Kawamoto sisters just so happen to come by in the middle of their argument, and I love the scene. Mostly because, like, Momo is just so, so cute. And just, like, where she just, like, runs up to Ray and she's kind of crying because she doesn't like to see Ray all upset. Or, and she also thinks, like, Ray's in trouble. And just like, oh, Ray, why are you talking to that scary witch? And <laughs> she's like, oh, sweetie. Oh. And I also love Hina kind of standing up to Kyoko for Ray because she kind of sees that Ray wants to do something here, but he can't really bring himself to. So she kind of, like, runs to his aid here, kind of gives him some lunch and says, like, hey, Make sure you eat this and just kind of sizes up Kyoko here, just like going, hmm, hmm, yeah, bitch. <laughs> it also seems like uh, something, something feelings-wise is brewing inside Hina. <laughs> Though, like, while we're still talking about Kyoko here, I think this is probably, like, the last, this will be the last time I bring her up. But uh, to be honest, as much as I'm really loving March Comes In Like a Lion, 
out of everything, the whole angles with Kyoko is, like, my least favorite aspect of the show. Like, it's not bad, per se, but compared to everything else, it's just not as good. Like, I think it's because I just find it hard to care about her as a character, considering just how nasty and abusive she is to Rei. Like, we just kind of see some scenes where she's also kind of manipulative certain ways, where she kind of goes to Rei for comfort, but then, like, following that, she just kind of goes to taunt him and just is actually physically abuse him and slap him and stuff like that. I just... Maybe, granted, that might be the point, kind of show that she's very, very complicated and has, like, all these complicated feelings, but uh, I just don't really, really care about it. I don't know. Maybe season two will probably work her character better. Who knows? Yeah, but it's just Kyoko, her issues with her dad and Goto are just, at this point, just kind of a hard sell for me. Though, what isn't a hard sell is more of Harunobu and Shigeta boing it up. Uh, there's, a, there's a scene where they argue shoggy tactics, and it's visually represented with cats dressed up as Darth Vader and Obi-Wan having a lightsaber duel. <laughs> like, there's even a text on screen basically saying, like, there's a lot of words that you're using here, so just use this visual re representation to help you understand. It. I We know this is a lot of jargon, but uh, just watch the cute kitties have a lightsaber duel. And after this, there's a really good scene where uh, Rey and Shimada practice, and it's visually represented with a raging river trying to pull Rey under, and the water ha is... Uh, we see that there's text on the water and it's all of Shimada's thoughts on them and and I'm thinking like man it's so good I will never not be impressed with the show's art direction just good on you Shaft and Akiyuki Shimbo. Afterwards a uh, really sweet scene later on where Hina and Momo come back to Ray's place to ask him about Kyoko and I'm like oh I'm worried about him they just want to follow up and make sure that he's doing all right and I love Momo during this scene where like she's kind of hiding behind Hina looking around you know she's she's scared that Kyoko's there and is gonna scare her you know. Just like, is, is the mean witch gone? Though, uh, Ray assures him that, uh, everything is fine, you know, like, oh, we're, we're siblings, siblings fight, you know? And, uh, that's when, uh, Hina become, is, like, very much happy to hear that, oh, they're just, they're siblings, she's his foster sister. And, like, I see this, I'm like, huh, with that earlier scene, and this scene, something, something's brewing here, <laughs> But I do like how she's just so over the moon at this point, like, nothing's kind of, like, really phasing her. She comes home, and Momo's all, like, wants to watch some TV, and she's like, yeah, let's watch Squirrely Sensei. And then we see, like, the cats jump on her back, going, like, I'm hungry, and, like, she's not even minding it. She's just, just so happy. After that, we get a little bit of the background on Shimada, and we see a bit of how, like, he grew up in, like, this very small town with, like, all these townspeople uh, supporting him in a show, in, like, uh, becoming a pro shogi player and how, like, they feel that, you know, he can bring some pride to the town and they all really care about him. And we see, like, because of that and also because of what he's going through now, like, how hard he's been pushing himself to the point where he's having, like, Johnny Sasaki-esque stomach pains here. Like, he really wants, he's all doing this all to, like, repay the townsfolk for their support and kindness that he's given them throughout his entire shogi career. But also, he wants to beat uh, Soya, considering they come from similar backgrounds. But Soya is far and away better than him, you know. He wants to take on the big dog of the shogi world. And, like, uh, in the lead-up to their match, we see the pressure is really hitting Shimada. Like, he's suffering stomach pains. It looks like he's not even eating or, like, he's getting any good night's sleep. Like, Rei is trying to take care of him. And even Harunobu, good boy Harunobu, wants to come and support his mentor. But uh, Shimada's just like, no, I don't need you. Like, the last time you did this, you landed a helicopter in a school playground. <laughs> You know, just please stay home. So we get uh, Soya and Shimada's uh, match, and uh, I'll splice it in here because I like uh, it's it's really good here. I like this here. It hurts. It hurts. 
Oh, it hurts. Son of a bitch. I swear. Damn it. It's like a dark swamp. Throbbing, churning in the pit of my stomach. All this pain just makes me feel alive. Going with Pawn to 5-7 promoted? That's crazy! If he lets up on the attack, he'll be surrounded. His king's on pretty shaky ground. How long can he keep up the attack? Silver to 6-7, threat mate! Silver to 7-8. Rook to 2-8, threat mate again. Can Shimada finish him off like this? Still, his opponent is Soya. Yeah, but can he win? Not a chance! Rook to 7-1. He wrote it out, using just a rook and a pawn. And now, it's Soya's turn. That was it, where Shimada Eifdan's attack stopped. And Meijin Soya's counterattack began. Unfortunately, Shimada concedes, and everyone was already counting him out anyway, but uh, that is everyone except Ray and even Soya. As it turns out, Shimada had a move that would have checked him, but uh, he didn't see it, and everyone else didn't see it, but like Ray was, Ray and Soya were the only ones who, see, who saw it, because uh, Ray was doing commentary at the time, and like uh, his co-commentator was just like, that's it, I'm done, I've seen enough, and then Ray's like, no, there's, there's still a chance. He's like, no, wake up, kid, he's gonna lose. And then he walks down, then Ray just gets upset. He, like, moves, like, uh, a shogi piece on, like, a big board and shows the move that he was going to do and walks off. And then he comes in right as uh, Shimada concedes. And then right before Soya leaves, he moves the pe moves the exact same piece on their board. And he's and he shows him, like, you would have got me right here. You didn't see it. And it's just, it's all kind of visually shows, you know, like, uh, you know, saying, like, if you're, if you're in a dark place, you know, finding that way out just becomes impossible to see, you know, it just, your vision just becomes clouded by the darkness. And Shimada does return home to apologize to his family and neighbors for losing, but of course, they aren't upset about that. They're just like, you did your best, man. The, I do like how they're more upset about the rain than his loss. They think like, ah, Shimada, you brought the rain. Great job, idiot. <laughs> but, you know, in the end, no matter how many times he wins or loses, Shimada has the entire support of everyone in town. And this makes Ray feel happy because he's in the same way as despite his most recent losses, Ray still has the undying support of people like Shimada, Haranobu, and even, and of course, the Kawamoto sisters. We're coming to the, coming to the end of the first season here, so let's close things out as uh, we have Ray starting up a club at school as he forms a Shoki Science Club with, with the uh, after-school Bunsen Burns Club and his teacher, Mr. Hayashida, played here by Keith Silverstein. And who wants to continue watching over him despite not being his teacher anymore as uh, Ray got held back grade. So we can't really follow him here, but, you know, since uh, he's starting this club, he can be, like, their advisor, and he can, like, watch over him and also learn some Shogi tips from him. And it shows, and uh, that's one of the big things about the series, where, like, other than being a pro Shogi player, Ray just kind of struggles at school because being a pro Shogi player takes up a lot of his time, so he can't focus on his schoolwork, and it suffers like that. And also we see that he has, like, a lot of built-up anxieties and everything, kind of stemming from when he was a kid, a bit of a loner. A lot of the other kids just don't really want to be around him. So, like, that's just kind of, like kind of darkened his perception of, like, high school and socializing like that. But, uh, you know, now that he has this club, like, he has, like, his teacher back again, and he has, like, these, like, also really good boys in this Bunsen Burner club, like, joining him for Shogi and Science. You know, he's kind of starting to think that maybe this high school thing won't be so bad, and, like, 
you know what, we'll give it another year and maybe it'll work things out now. And at this point, the season comes to a close where Ray comes to the realization that while he hasn't changed much, he isn't alone anymore. He's found a place where he belongs. You know, whether it's with his club, with all of his uh, friends in the Shogi workshop, or with, like, the Kawamoto sisters. All of this because of Shogi, because in Shogi, there's always someone sitting across from you that's just like you. Curtain down. And so, final thoughts here. Uh, really impressed by March Comes in Like a Lion, like, definitely lived up to the hype. Like, the show has a great message of trying to find that shining light to get you in, get you through the dark times. You know, characters end up having major setbacks but they almost always end up finding that one thing that keeps them going. And, you know, like, with Ray, it's like the support of those around him, or, like, uh, the earlier bit with Smith uh, losing to Goto. Like, afterwards, he's in the park, just feeling upset about that. He's probably going to go drink his sorrows away, but he loses something in the bushes. He goes to find it, and he finds a little cat named Strawberry, and he, like, takes him, and he finds that's his shining light right there, too. And just also giving, like, really good lessons about how you can always depend on others for all sorts of help, you know, like, you know, no matter what, you'll always have someone there to be your support. Like, you're never, ever alone. You know, we have, like, Harunobu, like, his rivalry and friendship with Rei is what uh, helps him. Or Hina has the support of her sisters and Rei. Shimada has the support of his hometown and the, ter and the determination to beat Soya, so on and so forth. The characters, I love the characters. They're all so good. Kyoko, with notwithstanding, and Goto, fuck him. But the characters, they're all, all, all 90% good. The voice acting in the dub is super on point. And yeah, only real negative stuff is Kyoko, but that just makes the show a 9 on 10 instead of a 10 on 10. And we'll definitely be checking out season 2, though for some reason it is on Crunchyroll or Verve, which is where I watched the first season on, but uh, I just discovered that, oh, it's on uh, Funimation's app along with the first season, so I'll be checking it out there. Because fuck paying over $500 to own the entire series on Blu-ray Anaplex. I love this, but I don't $500 love this. Though hey, since we're getting $600 stimulus checks, maybe I can use that to buy all the Blu-rays. Or yeah, maybe not, who knows. But yeah, really good. I'm going to try to see if I can get Ryan to check this out because I would love to do a regular anime baby on season two. So maybe tentative, stay tuned. And if not if not interested, then to all my other podcasting friends online, please hit me up. I would love to do have you on to do that episode. I, I would really love to talk about season two in podcast format. So be on the look for that sometime. And thank you to my secret Santa for recommending this to me. Like, I'm glad I finally had an excuse to check this out. And I also want to thank All Geeks Considered for doing Anime Secret Santa every year. I'm glad I got to join in this year, and I'm really looking forward to next year. So thank you for listening to my March Comes In Like a Lion Anime Secret Santa solo podcast. I've been your host, Mikey. You can find me at my social medias, at Mikey Shiota on Twitter, MikeyShiota.tumblr.com, and Mikey Shiota on the gram. Follow Anime Baby on Twitter at Anime underscore Baby. That's Anime underscore B-A-Y, a B-A-Y. Also follow the show at AnimeBaby.podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. And if this is your first foray into Anime Baby, thanks to the Anime Secret Santa, no, then please check out uh, our past episodes on the feed. We recently wrapped up our Studio Trigger series where we looked at a bunch of stuff from Trigger, like Kill a Kill, Little Witch Academia, SSSS Gridman, Darling in the Franks, and Two-Parter, and most recently Promare. And we've also done episodes on all the seasons of My Hero Academia up to this point, uh, The Promised Neverland, Zombieland Saga, Urine Ice, Miss Kobayashi, Black Clover... Uh, our most listened to episode at this point, ReZero, Season 1. As for uh, what's coming up next, we're going to be talking all about My Hero Academia Season 4. It's going to be great talking about My Hero again and also just our way of ending off this shit show of a year on a high note. And uh, uh, hopefully I will have that one out sometime around New Year's. I know I said New Year's Eve last time, but who knows if that'll work out. So just around the new year, expect My Hero Academia Season 4. Until then, stay safe out there. Stay the fuck home. Merry Christmas, happy holidays from 
anime, baby! The love we found, the love we found, we carry with us, so we're never quite alone. I'm out. 